This is your coffee break. Hi friends, today I have a special treat for you once again. I have with me today author Ginny Carter, who is not only an author herself, but also the author maker. Ginny, welcome to the show. Hello, it's lovely to be here. Lovely to have you. I'm very excited. I think, um, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but your accent is just so beautiful. I love listening to you speak. <laughs> well, it's all my own work, you know. <laughs> Thank you. That's very yeah. kind of you. Oh, well, I'm so excited to have you here today. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe a little bit about how you became the author maker? Yeah, well, um, I, I spent oh, getting on for 20 years working on what many people call the dark side, which was marketing. <laughs> and uh, so I spent many years working in corporate marketing. And, and actually, you know, it was never really me, but the only bits I, I really enjoyed were the writing. Um, and then that bit where you have to get into your customers' heads and really understand where your customers are coming from. And uh, looking back on it, of course, I can see lots of clues in that now when I think about what I do now. But um, but at the time, it wasn't so clear. Um, and I, I left that and decided to become a freelance marketing consultant which which didn't really go terribly well but I I then fell into um, the world of social media which was at that point really exploding this was a few years ago now um, so I became a freelance social media manager um, tweeting and blogging and so on on behalf of my clients um, and it was going really well for me actually I had lots of clients I had lots of work uh, I was turning people away every month because I didn't have enough capacity so I could have carried on doing that forever really but but when I really thought about it um, I realized it wasn't really what I really wanted to do um, so you know I had a had a bit of a problem there really because it's always simpler to just stick with what's easy isn't it yes <laughs> so um, so I but anyway I decided I had to make a change and so I, I worked with a coach to help me find really what it was I wanted to do um, and um, anyway to cut a long story short I, I became a business book ghostwriter and, and book writing coach. Um, I always say it's a bit like I went from 140 characters to 140 pages, <laughs> social media to books. Um, so, you know, it was pretty scary, but it was so worth it. And, and I've now, you know, I've now written several books, ghostwritten several books for my clients. Um, and I help people to write their own books as well. And, um, and I'm, what I find, actually, is that all of those years I spent in marketing have been really worthwhile because... I help my clients to see their books in a really strategic way. You know, the, mm. the, the book that's really helped their business because it's, it's it's business books that I that I help people write. Um, and I really get my clients well because you know I understand what it's like to make a living from from my expertise, um, and that's what they do as well. So it really helps me to embed the whole business and marketing into their books for them. The fact that I've had that that experience earlier on in my life, that's kind of how I've got to what I'm doing now. Absolutely wonderful. I, I've spoken to a lot of authors and, and a lot of people before they've written books have had very interesting past lives. And it seems like that past life and marketing that you've had has been extremely helpful to you. One thing I'm curious about, what made you seek out a coach for yourself? Uh, well, I think I just finally came to the realization that you can't do it alone in business, can mm. you? When you when you work for yourself, you do need people to support you and help you. And you can't see what's at the end of your nose. You can't mm -hmm. see, see the thing that's obvious to everyone else. 
and I think I spent too long doing things by myself actually mm. and I think like many writers I'm a bit of an introvert you know I don't yep. always <laughs> like to bring other people in I guess that maybe that resonates with you uh-huh. um, and so you know I suppose I just hadn't really ever thought about it before but then I came across this wonderful woman who um, helped me to you know, discover what it was I really wanted to do and I, and I just knew then that that was the right time for me to do that. And in fact, actually, since then, I've worked with other people as well, other coaches who've helped me to, to bring things on further from that point. And I, I always think it's an invaluable thing to do to have somebody to help. I absolutely mm. agree. So then it was your coach who then kind of turned you toward ghostwriting? That's right. Yes. Yeah. So funnily enough, actually, it came to me in a bit of a, you know, those aha moments where a light bulb seems to go on. Mm-hmm. And I, I read a book in which somebody else was talking about the fact that they were a ghostwriter. And I suddenly thought, I could do that. Because actually, one of the compliments that I used to get from my social media clients was that I sounded just like them. And I when I did their blogs and their posts and so on, and they used to say, how do you do that? And I used to think, well, I, don't know, I just do it, really. I didn't really think of how I do it. I just kind of took it for granted. And I thought, well, I can obviously do this. I obviously have a, a gift for writing in other people's voice. So then I thought, well, actually, I've always loved writing. And, and it, you know, I just the two things kind of came together in my mind. And I just suddenly had this thing that yes I know I can write a book I can do this because I'm a completer you know I'm not one of these people that has an idea and then gets halfway through it and then just forgets about it you know I, I always see things through to the end and a lot of my clients of course are are that kind of person you know they, they, they're the big picture thinkers and then you know they come up with a, a flash in the pan and then they, they find it hard to see it through so obviously that's where we complement each other <laughs> um, and so yeah so that's how it all happened really and um, I've never looked back since. I know that it's such hard work to write, and I love that you're willing to do this hard work for people. Um, Do you have any, if some of our listeners today are interested in getting into doing ghostwriting themselves, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, well, it's a bit like any kind of freelance work in a way, and there there are lots of different ways to start off and... um, uh, and, and gain your first clients. I think what helped for me was that, and again, it was my coach that suggested this actually, was that I didn't launch myself straight into writing full length books. What I did was I got a few just short ebook gigs, you know, just mm. um, writing lead magnets for people for their websites or, you know, shorter pieces or maybe just doing a bit some editing. And I didn't earn an awful lot for those, but they were just really practice for me, um, got me some testimonials and they kind of got me started really. So that was really useful. Don't, you don't have to see it as some all or nothing kind of thing. And then I, I, I'm I pretty active on LinkedIn. I, I find that that's a really good, um, good, good place to look for clients. I always post on there and I message people. Twitter as well can be a good source of, you know, just keeping yourself visible, really, mm. um, saying the right things, being helpful to people appearing as if you know what you're talking about it's always a good it's always a bonus I was fine um and then of course the lovely thing is that once you've done a couple of pieces you know you'll often get referrals and or repeat work indeed I mean I've you know I've had a couple of clients ask me to do another book for them so so that's really lovely I mean that's nice really nice to do uh, so yes I mean those are all the things that have worked for me but of course different things work for different people and I always think it's good to look at where your strengths lie look at what you enjoy doing you know, if you hate social media, for example, then there'll be other ways to find clients. It's not <clears throat> it's not compulsory. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just do what do what you enjoy, because I think if you enjoy it, you'll do it. If you have to force yourself 
it kind of never never feels as good it never lasts as long as well in my <laughs> in my experience <laughs> and it doesn't sound as good probably you know there's i think there's something to be said about loving the work that you do and i can hear in your voice that you love what you do and and that's just so important to creating good work Yes, it's funny when you said, oh, it's really hard to write a book and you're absolutely right, it is. Um, but actually, it's a lot, I found it, it's a lot harder to write my own stuff than it is to write my client's material. And I, I think that's just because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm made to be a ghostwriter. Some people, some people would find it harder to write for somebody else and they'd rather be writing their own. Um, but yeah, I find it a lot easier to take what's in somebody else's head and turn it into, into the written piece than, um, than to mine my own brain which always just feels a lot more exhausting to me <laughs> than talking to somebody else that's really interesting that you say that i know that a lot of the listeners for our show you know do do write for themselves and try to translate that jumbled mess of thoughts into a book I know that uh, you do coaching for authors, and sort of that leads me into my next question, which is, what do you do if you do want to write for yourself, but you just have too many ideas buzzing around in your head? How do you pick one? Yeah, I know a lot of people have this, and, and they, they almost have a whole series of books planned out before they've even started writing the first one, <laughs> which I love. I think it's lovely. It's lovely when people have that much enthusiasm. But <clears throat> but I think um, I always encourage people to just think of one book at a time for a start, because you know trying to write three books on at once is um, is is a bit of a tall order. Um, and I, I think the first the first thing is really to ask yourself, you know, which what, what idea do you feel most passionate about? What what do you find most exciting? because you're going to be spending a lot of time writing this book. So it better be something you're interested in. Don't just write something because you feel you should or mm. because it's, you, know, you feel you ought to do it. You know, just, just find the thing that you feel most excited about. But then that's when it needs to then after that get a little bit more kind of hard-headed. And I think um, you then need to think, well, why, why do I want to write this book? You know, in my case, for instance, I, I help people write books that are going to help their business. So they're coaches, speakers, people who are experts, and they want a book very often to build their authority and their credibility in, in their niche. So you need to think about, well, how is this book going to help my business? Is it going to work for me? Because again, you know, you spend a lot of time writing it and um, you don't want to get halfway through and then realize that it's the wrong book. Mm -hmm. Then then I think it's useful to think about who's going to read the book. Who are you aiming at? Is it the same readership audience as you already have? Like if you'd already built up a certain amount of presence with that audience, it might be you've got an email list or a social media following. Because building up a whole new audience for a book is a lot harder work than using the one you've already got when you come to sell it, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> um, and then and then just thinking about your expertise, you know, does this idea really fit with what you know best and or is there more work you need to do to learn more uh, or have more experience in the area so that you can write a really credible book about it? And then I think also sometimes when people have got a lot of ideas, they actually know that there's really the one that they want or they might know that they can combine two or three different ideas into one book it might be that there's there's not it's not just three books it's actually one book in fact funnily enough i had a conversation yesterday with somebody about this who um she she had a couple of ideas each for a different book in in her view and i said well actually i think those would both work in the same book because one of them would be showing your point of difference in this in the subject she was talking about which mm. was which was how to put yourself across in the media and she said, I can't write. Yeah. And sometimes it's so much easier for somebody else to see it, isn't it? Than yes. <laughs> yes. Themselves. So, um, yeah, sometimes actually you can make your life a lot simpler by combining it. 
so yeah so I think I think that those are the key steps for me and I think finally what you really have to do is make sure it's a book that your readers want to read because there's a lot of books out there that people have written I think that they thought people ought to read it but people don't always want to read it read it and unless people actually want it then you're not going to get the audience that you want and um and then it's going to feel like a lot of work for not much much reward which would be pretty heartbreaking Oh my gosh, yes. And that's such an, I, I think that's a distinction I've never thought of before. How do you know if if your book is one that people will want to read? It's not always the easiest thing to find out. But I think, I mean, this comes from my marketing background, really, mm. where I learned that trying to sell something that people need is a very different thing to trying to sell something that people want. If they don't want it, they won't buy it. It's as simple as that. So you know, I think it all comes down to how well you know your audience. And it might be that the original idea might not be one they want. But actually, if you just take a different angle on it, they might want it. It's often just in a, a case of how you dress it up or how you package mm. it, how you title it, how you describe it. It might be that it's just simply the way that you um, you frame the book for them. So it doesn't mean you have to go and write about something completely different. But, you know, yeah, you can survey your audience. You've got an email list. You can ask them if this is the sort of thing that they'd be interested in. Or if you've got clients or um, contacts, you can you can float the idea past them. And I think when you get feedback, it's always worth just bearing in mind that sometimes people will want you to will tell you what they want you to hear. So, you know, oh. asking your mum, your mum or your sister might not be <laughs> might not be the best the best idea. Um, but just ask people you think and give you an honest opinion. Wonderful. So then once you once you have your idea, how do you actually begin? Like for you, what what do you do? What's your process? Well, I always start off with, it's usually around about a two, two and a half hour session with the client. And what we do is we look at the whole strategy for their book and outline it. So um, we look at why they want to write the book. Because I think unless you clear on your why, you'll find it hard to keep motivated, won't mm-hmm, you? To, to mm-hmm. on with it. And, and sometimes as well, that the answer to that question can then alter the other things that you do for your book. So um, if you know the why, then start to look at your audience and who the book's going to be for. And I always encourage people to give that a lot of thought because sometimes people want to be quite general and they want to have as big an audience for their book as possible. And that's all very understandable. But I know we've all read books sometimes that we felt were aimed a bit generally. And I, mm. I know that when I've read a book where I, I understand exactly who it's aimed at, I've always got a lot more out of it, even if that person that it was aimed at wasn't me. I can mm-hmm. I can just see, I can see that putting myself in somebody else's shoes, I can see what I would have got out of it and I can understand it a lot more easily. So, yeah, looking at an audience and then looking at the big kind of question that you're answering in the book, if it's a, if it's a nonfiction book, people want to read it because they have a problem that they want to solve. So what's the problem you're solving in the book and how are you solving it in your own way that's very much you and um, and makes your book a little bit different to everybody else's? And then after that, after we answer those questions, we can then look at the outline, look at the content. So bearing in mind what your reader wants to learn, what is the first thing you would tell them? That can be your first chapter and then your second chapter can come out of that and so on and so forth. And sometimes people have, if they're a coach, say they might have a, a process or a program that they already they've already got. So they, the book often almost outlines itself in that from that point of view. But it might need a bit of tweaking to work in a book as opposed to an online tool or whatever, whatever they've already got. So, yeah, so that's the, the process, really. And I think that once you've got an actual clear outline and you know what each chapter, the points each chapter is going to contain, then that's the moment that you can start writing it. And you can do so with so much more confidence then mm. because you know, you know you're know, you not going to go back and 
discover you've done it all wrong in chapter one. You've got to rewrite chapter two. You know, then you end up throwing yourself <laughs> off a balcony somewhere <laughs> because it's all too much. Um, you save yourself, save yourself many hours of frustration, I think, by doing a bit of planning up front. A lot of my writers are, are nonfiction writers, or excuse me, a lot of my listeners are nonfiction writers. A lot of them are also fiction writers. And the, mm. the ones that don't plan before, beforehand call themselves pantsers. They write by the seat of their <laughs> pants. And I, I'm actually transitioning from pantser to outliner. I'm realizing how valuable that is to, to plan that out strategically beforehand, to leave it flexible so that you can have ideas as you're writing. But I love your process. I love the interviews, the talking it out, the outlining. Once you have this book written, then what? Well, do you mean like a kind of as a first draft or do you mean like a complete finished Oh, you know what? Tell me about the first draft. And then <laughs> I want to hear both. I want to hear what you okay. have to say about both. Okay. Well, I, I'm a big fan of getting your first draft written before you start go back and edit, edit it, because I think it's too easy to stop your momentum or slow down your momentum by keeping going back to it and perfecting things. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's sometimes it's a lot easier to tweak what you've already written than it is to think, right, I'm now going to start the next chapter. <laughs> I'm going to do is. it. <laughs> oh, it is. Um, so I always encourage people to, you know, to keep to keep the momentum going and get that first draft done, because it's so rewarding then, isn't it? When you see what you've written, all those thousands of words, it's like, yes, I've, yeah. got, I've got a draft. I've got, I'm almost there. I'm almost, well, not quite there, but I'm almost there <laughs> with my book. <laughs> And then I, I encourage people to then go back and do a, an edit like that's a very much a structural edit, much like a stru- you know a structural mm. editor would do. So working out whether the, the right information is in the right place and whether everything's in the right order for your reader, looking at it very much from the reader's point of view. Um, and then once you've jigged things around and chucked things out and added bits in and you, you've got everything that's that's flowing, then to go through that process of going line by line and just tightening up the sentences, deleting things. And that can be really hard for people because um, it's really uh, it's really painful, isn't it, to, to, to have to sometimes confront that something you thought was beautifully written when you go back and look at it a month later. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you think, oh, no, that wasn't so great. <laughs> Although, actually, sometimes the opposite can be true as well. Sometimes mm. I look back and think, oh, that's actually quite good, that. Good. <laughs> you read that? Was that me? That is awesome. So, um, yeah, so it's like a two stage process and um, it can take a long time. And I can't remember who who said this phrase. I should give them credit, but I can't remember who it was. But it was um, good writing is really good editing. And all the very best writers do lots of editing, don't they? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of how you get to your final manuscript. And then after that, of course, there are different publishing options. And the people that I work with, they they have a variety um, that they go for. That some some of my clients have um, a traditional publisher already lined up, you know, and that's why they've asked me to mm. to write it for them or to or to coach them through it. Um, others haven't got any idea really how they want to publish it. Um, so it depends on. I think it all comes down to your goals for the book. It's really what sort of book do you want? Are you after the credibility? Are you after sales? Um, are you after a wide audience? Are you after a niche audience? Because I think all of those things will have an impact on whether your book is is going to be attractive to to a traditional publisher. And you may decide you don't want to do that anyway. You'd like to have control over the process and and self-publish. So, you know, I can point people in the right direction for that. I don't do it myself, but I can, you know, I know know people who do these things. So I like to think that I never leave somebody with a manuscript and no idea what to do with it because that's, you know, a manuscript on its own isn't going to be a lot of use, is it? It has to, it has to get out there as a book. Um, So yeah, that's, that's the overall process. That's a question that I get a lot is, 
you know, this this writing process is so hard. It's so hard to do. You fight your way through. You end up with this beautiful mountain of words. And then what do I do with it is is the question. And so I love that I love that you help people um, kind of figure out that next step. So you have this background in marketing. Do you have any sort of very basic tips for someone who's maybe finished their novel and they want to maybe self-publish? What do they even do? Well, there's two main routes if you if you want to self-publish. There's the DIY route, I guess, which is where you get a cover designer to do your cover and you get your own ISBN and you put it all together yourself and I mean, there are pros and cons to that approach. It's most cost effective, but it's mm. also quite time consuming. And you have to learn to be an expert about a lot of things that you might not really know an awful lot about. So, um, but then having said that, if you're planning to do a series of books, I know quite a few writers who both fiction and nonfiction who've found it was really worthwhile to learn all that stuff because, you know, they've been able to put it into practice time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go for a hybrid or partnership publisher who will do all of that sort of thing for you so hand over your book your manuscript to 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 a professional and they will create the book for you and 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 get it up onto the online stores and so on and uh, I think a lot of it just depends on well what your budget is and and how much time you want to spend on it really one's the DIY option and one is the done for you option and normally the the people I work with tend to go for that option the, the done for you option because they're by the fact that they've paid either for ghostwriting or coaching, they're obviously in a position financially to, to do that. But also they don't have the view that they have to do it all alone. You know, mm. they, they're happy to have help. But but it all depends on the individual, really, doesn't it? I guess your, your writers that you talk to, um, I guess, do they do a variety of different routes? Yeah, there's several who have already published, some who haven't even started writing yet. There's just this huge spectrum of of just all over the place. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I kind of also want to ask you, when you do coaching, what is your favorite part of coaching writers? Oh, that's a lovely question. Do you know what? I've never thought of that. (laughs) Let me have a think. I think it's when I come to the end of the process with them and they see how much they've achieved and they know and I know that they'd never have done it that quickly without me. Mm. And that's really rewarding. I mean, they've done all the work. I would fully give them credit for all of that. But usually it's over a six month process and, and it's so easy to lose momentum, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But because they know they've got a regular call with me, they, they do get it done. And um, and they feel so proud of themselves as well, which is really lovely. And I, I feel proud of them, too. And then it gets all exciting because we talk about publishing and then I can't wait for the books to come out. <laughs> it's great. So, yeah, I think I think getting to the end of the process is the nicest bit. Yeah. Oh. But there are lots of other nice bits, too. I can tell that you love what you do. If there are people who are maybe interested in working with you, what does that process look like? Yeah, well, um, if you um, go onto my website, it's um, marketing21.co.uk. So that's uh, marketing21 in, in letters, not numbers. Mm. Um, you can have a, have a little uh, look at that and find out more about me. I've got my blog on there. Um, I'm also on Twitter, um, underscore Ginny Carter. That's G-I-N-N-Y Carter. So um I always love to say hello to people on there, so it'd be great to see you. Um, and then as well, if you want to go um, onto my site, but you put my website name in there, so marketing21.co.uk, but slash expert, you'll get a free guide which will help you to decide how you want to make the best of your book for your business. 
Um, so, and actually, there's another one. Given that we just talked about getting all of your ideas together, if you put slash idea, you get a free flowchart, which helps Ooh. you to work out the best idea for your book. And it just helps. It's, it just talks you through it step by step. So if you've got all of these different ideas bubbling around, it really helps you narrow them down. Um, and you can and you can come up with the best idea for you, which is very important. I think it's not the best idea for anyone else, but it's the right one for you. I'll be sure to link to all of those things in the show notes for today's episode, including uh, your Twitter presence as well, because I know that that's how we originally got connected. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm so glad that we got connected. You are just you are so delightful to talk to. This is. <laughs> This is going to be such a good episode. I guess I kind of want to close things out by asking, um, this is something that I like to ask everybody. Uh, have you had a mentor in your life who has given you some really good writing advice? Um, oh, wow. That's a really interesting idea, actually, because um, funnily enough, I've I've been friends for a while now with somebody called Alison Jones, who is um, she's a publisher. And it's been really lovely to bounce ideas off her in terms of what makes a good book from a strategic business point of view. So it's, um, you know, she's an expert in looking at a book that will help your business just the same way as I am. But she has some really interesting takes on it. And so I always get a lot of bouncing ideas off her. And I think, yes, I think you're right. It is really good to have to have somebody who sees things from your perspective, but can always add something a little bit different in. Mm -hmm. That is such a valuable relationship to have. Definitely, definitely. Well, wonderful. Well, um, I want to be respectful of your time. And since we're recording in the morning here in, here in the United States, I need to get going to work. Um, <laughs> Ginny, this has been just an absolute pleasure. I, I hope that we that we keep in touch going forward. And if you ever want to be on the show again, will you let me know? I will. And thank you so much for having me on. I've really, really enjoyed it. It's oh. amazing. It's just flown by. I can't believe we've had I know. half an hour, haven't we? <laughs> <laughs> we have. And um, once again, I will link to your website and all of your online presences in the show notes for today's episode. And um, thank you. Thank you so much for reaching out and for being on the show today. I just, I've, I've really enjoyed every minute of this. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it too. Have a wonderful day and hopefully we'll talk soon. That's brilliant. You too. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.